this morning we are wrapping up food of kingdom we've had a lot of fun out on the beach had a lot of fun talking about just sharing jesus's words where he stood on the sea of galilee and he like shared counterintuitive teachings about how we're supposed to live he shared like how to have heaven on earth what it's really like and it completely goes against our gut feelings right it goes against our common sense sometimes it goes against our emotion and it's really just like no here's what i want you to have the truth about my kingdom. So here's a little review that we live according to the Spirit. That if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us. When I said yes, like you're Lord of my life, the Holy Spirit came into my life, into your life, and said, He guides us, He directs us, He prompts us. And here's the truth about the Holy Spirit. Anything that He'll ever give to you will never contradict in His Word. That's something we can talk about later if you have any questions about that. The next is the humbler first in line. I love this because this requires a childlike faith. He said the humbler first. It's a childlike faith. And essentially it's childlike faith means like I am open. I am completely trusting. Like I am completely following our Lord wherever he may go. And I don't have my own agenda and I'm done with my own plan. Right. I'm done trying to live, live my life by my emotions. I'm going to trust Him. He also said we're to live and love and invest intentionally. Like every moment on this earth is going to require us to live and say, okay, today, God, use me today. Like, use me today. It's just as Heather prayed this morning. Like, God, use me in our school district. And I believe in separation of church and state. That's a really good thing. But it it gives us some, some complexity sometimes. Like, how do we live out our faith in the government? And it's, I believe it's, it requires boldness and it requires us to actually live it out sometimes when we can't use the words. Live, love, and invest intentionally. This last one I think we're all very well aware of now. God uses storms to test and build our faith. That was one of my favorite messages because it's like it's so true. He doesn't promise us that this life's going to be easy. Like In fact, He says, no, storms are going to come. And they'll hit. And if we all, each one of us, had to share those storms that came into our life, I mean, it, it would, we would be here for a long time, right? But the good news is He gives us a choice to actually take a step towards Him and say, God, I trust You. No matter what, I trust You. And then last week, we talked a little bit about cultivate. Like, what does it mean to let God's Word like, take root in your heart and in your life for real? Like this Bible, I don't know how much time do you spend in God's Word during the week. I remember a certain time in college. So I used to, I used to teach students in high school. And I, I was in the Word every day and in the week. So last week we talked about letting God's Word take root in your heart. Like really let it take root in your heart and cultivate. And, and I remember in college, like so when I was in high school, I, you know, and recently graduated, I was teaching students. I was always in the Word, always um, investing in, in the next generation. And I remember one, one day in college, it was two years down the road. I couldn't find a church that, that wouldn't stick an 18-year-old in a singles group, you know, of everybody that was, that was like way older than me and had been married before that was single again. Like I was in that singles group. And I said, I don't know. Said, this singles group isn't for me. <laughs> I said, I'm 18. And so I used that as an excuse. And my Bible like sat. I remember six months went by and my Bible remained on my stereo speakers unopened. 
And I was, it's scary. It was, a, it was the first time I think the Holy Spirit just kind of really like allowed me to get fearful. It's like, man, where have I been? I've not been in God's Word. So that's just, that's what we talked about last week, cultivating. Let God's Word take root in your heart. So our theme scripture for this series, for counterintuitive kingdom, is this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 20. Matthew 20, 16. So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. It's just, it's like, what does that mean? It's this counterintuitive kingdom, this thing that Jesus was trying to get us to see. The goal is heaven, right? Like the goal, the reason why we're following Christ, the reason why Christ came is so that we can have heaven on earth and eternity. Like it's actually possible to have heaven on both. That's why we're here. Like that's the whole purpose of the church is to be God's men and women, sons and daughters who are sharing the love with our community to point the way. The goal is heaven on earth and eternity. This is kind of a recap. I'm, I'm basically getting through what we discussed all the way up to last week. Matthew seven sixteen through 18 gives us a, a hint for how we can know. How, am I doing this right? Like, does anybody ever wonder that, like as a Christian? Am I, am I doing this right? Like, am I living life the right way? Matthew seven sixteen through eighteen, and then and then I'll read John. These two scriptures give us a hint. It says, "By their fruit you will recognize them." He's talking about Christians or non-Christians. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. He's essentially saying, and I and I said it last week. If you're a Christ follower, you're a good tree. Like, let there be no doubt. If you accepted Christ in your life and you're for real, you have the Holy Spirit within you, you're a good tree. You're going to bear good fruit. The question is, like, how much good fruit are you bearing? John 13, 34-35 says this. This is my favorite one. A new commandment I give to you to love one another. As I have loved you, so that you must also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's really what people are looking for. Matter of fact, I had, I had someone remind me that this, this last week as we're building a new fence, you know, you have to be loving to your neighbors, right? And so there's a lot of coordination and collaboration with our neighbors to make sure we build fences. And the building project isn't done, so we're going to see more fence go up. It's going to be white picket fence likely because that's what our neighbor wants. And that's loving to our neighbors. And Steve's giving me the look like he, he, he knows whose fault it was that we have a green fence outside, not a white picket fence, but, but loving our neighbors, doing what's right, making sure that we're always seeking out reconciliation. All right, so that's last week. That's review. Basically, it comes down to this. And let me, let me just see hands raised. How, how good are you doing at these? Number one is I love God and love others. Like, how many people have that down, right? Love God, love others. Cool. See, our little guys raise their hands. They know this one. That, that one's, everybody, love God easy, love others. That's where it gets harder, right? Let's be honest. And maybe it's flip-flop for some of you guys. How about this second one? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that one takes practice, especially if they have a barking dog that barks till 2 in the morning, you know, for years. 
Or like pray for Myra because our neighbor likes to have parties till four in the morning. I mean, and it's like party. So it's good. We can go over there and have a good time anytime we want. Like it's always dumping. And, and she is like a super light sleeper anyway. So she's always telling me the next morning, like what happened the night, the night. And I'm like, man, I slept right to it. And she goes, I know you were just as loud as they were. So pray for her, but love your neighbors. So here comes the counterintuitive part. And actually, this is the scripture that got my attention when this whole series came up. And I, and I thought, I can't start with the scripture. Like, this is actually a tough one. So we're going to hit, we're going to get a tough one today. So grace in advance, but I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. How are we doing at this one? Loving our enemies, right? Think of who your enemy is. Jesus came to say, love your enemy. And it was just like, it blew their minds just as much as it's blowing our minds today. Because like, when I count to three, everybody yell out your political party. Okay, one, two, kidding. <laughs> kidding. We're about half and half in this church, by the way, if you, if you wondered. And right now, like, if you're not careful, that other party's the enemy, right? Like, and we're not talking about that today. But it's just a really easy example. You know, love your enemy. We as humans do such a good job of making other people the enemy, don't we? Especially when, especially when life's not going our way. Like we immediately start to say, they're not doing this because they don't like me. They must hate me. And then all of a sudden, what? They're my enemy. <laughs> they're, they're, they're against me. And, and here's the truth, just so you know, if you feel that way. And we'll, we'll get to Scripture. People don't hate you generally. They just think of themselves more. Just It's more about me, right? So it's, it's not that they're out to get you. It's just they really care about themselves a whole lot more. So that's just the secret. That's just the secret to life. Matthew 5, 38 through 48. This is, this is what Jesus had to say. It's actually the most important part. Let me read it, and you guys follow along in your sermon notes or your Bible. You have heard that was, it was said... Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He's referring back to the Old Testament. I'll come back to that in a second. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, take your clothes, let him have your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus was referring back to the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was the law of retaliation. The reason why that was a significant thing in the Old Testament, you can read about it in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, is it was to protect the innocent. It was essentially back then, if someone was innocent, like you, you literally were only supposed to pay, you know, give the punishment for the crime. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That way you couldn't just be completely ran over and killed for, for stealing an apple, right? Or stealing a piece of bread. So this was a thing in the Old Testament. He said, you have heard it. It said an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist the evil person. Go two miles if they want you to go one. Give them your cloak if they want your tunic. He is, he is giving this counterintuitive message, right? of if someone's going to take your wallet on the street, ask them if they need your jacket and your shoes as well. 
Like, I think I, I, I shared that story with you guys, right? The guy in San Antonio who, who you know, stole 20 bucks from, from me and Blake when we were trying to pay the parking guy, and he was actually pretending to be a parking guy. He wasn't a parking guy, and he, he took off, and he just bolted. And uh, we chased him for about 50 feet, and then we realized, okay, that was pointless. This guy's like 20-something, and uh, Blake was 8 or 10 at the time. And we prayed for him at the restaurant, and we prayed, God, if he's going to use that, for food or for something good, just please bless them with it, you know? It's just, it's kind of like saying, what, what am I going to do, right? I'm going to give it to God. And in the second part of that prayer, which you guys have heard the story, half of you guys heard the story, we said, but if he's going to use it for drugs or something, let him get caught. And my wife, who, who, who's awesome, she like took him down that evening and he got arrested. And literally, we found him on the river walk and, and the police arrested him and they pulled crack out of his pocket. Like, and I'm not, it's a crazy story. It was really crazy. But, but the point is, if that happens, are you, are you going to bless that person with your words, with your thoughts, with your prayers? Or are you going to start harboring something else inside? This is what Jesus is talking about. So let me continue. Matthew 5, uh, 43. You have heard it is also said, this is important. You've heard that it's also said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So Jesus is talking to uh, Pharisees and Gentiles right now. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, what's, here's what's wild. Is, and I actually had to do quite a bit of research on this part. They did say, Scripture does say love your neighbor. But Scripture does not say hate your enemies. Like it's... And Jesus was actually saying something that the Pharisees had made up for themselves so they could feel better, right? Like when we go to war with another country, what do you normally hear? That those other people are what? Are evil. And, they're, and there's this case built. Because what? It makes it easier for us to go to war against another country. And I'm not saying that there aren't evil people in the world, right? Because believe me, I've... I've almost signed up to fight that fight also. Like there are very evil people in the world. But Jesus is coming back to the Pharisees and he's saying, I'm just saying, be careful. Like you've, you've heard and you've memorized, like love your neighbors. Like that's easy. Who, who shouldn't do that? Who can't love a brother? But he's putting away this whole idea of and hate your enemies. He said, that's not from me. That is not from our father. To hate our enemies. He's actually giving us something very counterintuitive. He's telling us to love them. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says this. And this is the part where this is where you get to, we get to examine our hearts. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, outcry, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ hath forgiven you. Like Jesus has given us an opportunity. He's giving a challenge of, yes, you, you have the right to go get an eye for an eye. Like who has felt that way before, right? Go in the bed at night. Like I want to get that, you know, fill in the blank. 
And we have the right, except when we're trying to be righteous and follow God. Except when, like Christ is standing right in front of His people, right in front of us and saying, no, but I've called you to be righteous. Like, I've called you to be different. And the reason why is the whole, whole world is watching. Like, the whole world's watching. And, and the scripture that we just read before, they will know us by what? By our love for one another. That's how they'll know that we are Jesus' disciples. Let me continue. Romans 12, 17 through 21, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. So take care of your side of the deal. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, he says, this is what, this is what he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give to him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but, but overcome evil with good. And the whole part about you'll heap burning coals on its head, it's basically, you're going to get them to a point where they're like, why in the world is this person loving, being loving towards me? Like, they have every right to run me over with their car right now. And it's humbling. Like, true love is humbling. There's a huge debate right now about how Martin Luther King led his protests, right? Like, I, I see everyone doing the research on the internet. Was he peaceful? Was he not peaceful? Was he, like, he was a pastor. He was a man of God. So I know he had the Holy Spirit within him. And I believe his word did prevail in the end. That said, no, we're going to protest peacefully. We're going to protest in love and we're not going to give up. And he won in a sense. The human nature is still with us, right? We're still fighting that battle. So let me, here's a fun question, or, or maybe not a fun question. Who's all married in this room? Like half of us? Half of us are married? So, so either whether you're single or whether you're married, this still applies. So how many of you guys have had one of those days where, where someone really <laughs> made you mad? Like really, like immediately, like you're full of just, and you're like, they who's who's had their button pressed before like they they just push my buttons and somebody has someone in their life that is really good about pushing those buttons right here's something i'll steal from a pastor friend of mine you know what's funny about having your button pressed because i have a few and they get pressed usually steve paulson's in the room and he's he sees my face like turning red and he knows like i'm 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 about to say something <laughs> and and if i'm smart normally i won't i'll give it like about five minutes that's a, that's a secret, by the way. If you'll not say something when you're, when you're just super angry, you won't have to ask for forgiveness as much. So, but if you've had your button pressed, you know what's interesting is that other person, you know, your husband, your, your wife, that other person may have pressed your button, but they didn't create that button. That button is already there inside of you. Think about that for a minute. They might be pressing your button, but they didn't create that button. Like that thing exists from something else, some other time, some other place. There's a reason why that's there. I found a, a video on the internet. I almost showed it to you guys this morning about a young man, a young black man. He's married. They have a successful blog and they're sharing about their family. And he's trying to talk to other young black men who are thinking about having families. And they're saying, guys, before you do it, like, and this applies to everyone. It just, 
just relevant to today. Before you start your family, like guys, it's hard. Like it's really hard. Before you take on the role of being a dad and a father, like just know that he was trying to say this thing you see on my blog is you see the good stuff, you don't get to see the hard days. It's just like the rest of us, right? Like we don't, we don't advertise the hard days in our marriage. Like we don't advertise the tough days when we're, instead of having a nice family meal, like everyone's sitting down and like yelling at each other because, you know, we don't share those times. But that's what real life is like. And I love this video because he, he was basically saying, guys, like you have to know to be a dad, to be a mom today, to stick with it, it's going to be really hard. And I'm, I'm bringing that up for a point and we'll get to it. Sometimes we make each other the enemy. Like we make one another the enemy. The people that don't like to do life the way we like to do life are the people that caused me from what? From not getting that promotion or stole my man or my woman. Like whatever, you know, it's happened. Like they're the enemy, right? I don't know. So, do not overcome by, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here's a, here's a path I want you guys to think about. And maybe it'll show up on the, on the slide here. Let's start with this first. Our, our thoughts. Our thoughts, what we dwell on, what we think on. I don't know if you guys, if, we, if we're friends on social media, you'll see every now and then I'm, I'm a choleric melancholy, which means... I'm like a black and white guy, let's get it done. I'm a, I'm a guy of action, but I'm also melancholy, which means I have a creative side. So I'll, like, I'll express myself creatively every now and then. I'll write a lot. And so what I'm thinking during the week, what I'm seeing, I often process what in my heart, in my mind, and I'm processing. I'm watching the news a lot this week. And it, it, it got me. I'd say about Wednesday, man, it had got me big time. And I had to say, Larry, like, turn off the social media, turn off the news. It is getting to you because my thoughts turn into what? My words. And if I'm not careful, if I stay in that, whether it's positive or negative, if I stay in that, my thoughts turn into my words, turn into my actions, right? And then my actions turn into my habits. So imagine this. If I'm going down the wrong road, this is, this is why it's so scary sometimes to see you know, our, I'll say I have an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. And thankfully, they're both heading down the right roads. But when we see people maybe going down the wrong path, you know your thoughts, your words, your actions turn into your habits, turn into your what? Your character, who you are. And then this last part, it's, a, it's not Christian theology, theology, so I'll switch it in a second. But it's, it, it'll determine the direction of your life or what they would say is your, your destiny. And it's so true, like the things that I dwell on, if I'm in, if I'm in God's word on a daily basis, it, like, it influences my thoughts, my words, my heart, my action, my behavior. It influences the direction of my life. Like it, it literally influences everything. Because some days I want to what? Some days I've, I've got like bitterness in my heart or we're talking about loving your enemy. So it's like, I don't feel like being so loving to my enemy today, right? Like, I, God, punish them or get them or, like, do something. And God's normally like, Larry, like, I already told you, I'm taking care of that. Like, that's not yours. That's mine. 
And some of these things are legit. He said, no, I got, I got your direction of your life. You just focus on me. Like, I am causing your steps. You focus on me. Like, I know what, what your life looks like if you'll just trust me. Like, I know what I made you for in this life. Please just trust me with the good days, with the bad days, with the people that are for you, with the people that are against you. Like, it, like who's made a mess in their life trying to solve those things by themselves, right? Like every single time you try to solve it, it's almost like God's like, see, you did it again. Like you did it. I'll keep running around that block too. So we might be running partners and we'll see each other on that block and go, yeah, we did it again. But as soon as we decide to trust God, it's like, God, okay, you have it. You have the direction of my life. You have my destiny. So I don't know how many of you guys have seen A Knight's Tale. What they, I believe it's Heath Ledger. So that movie got me on the opening scene when they're playing We Will Rock You. Like the, the stands are like doing the, the stomp, stomp, clap, you know, and then they're riding in on horseback and they're doing the joust. Like I'm like, this is awesome. This movie is awesome. And if you try to pull off one of those movies, it has to be really good. It has to be done well. Otherwise, you ruin the whole movie. So anyway, Heath Ledger, he starts off this poor kid. You know, his dad's a Thatcher over in England, and his dad so desperately wants him to change the direction of his life. He's like, I want my son to have a different life than I had. And he basically pays a knight, a real knight, to raise him up, if, if you've seen it, to raise him up to be like an apprentice. And somewhere along the way, like Heath Ledger decides, you know, his, the knight he was with actually died, and he pretends to be the knight, so, which will get you killed back in that day, and probably still would today. He pretends to be the knight. And so for the rest of the movie, he's like playing this person that he's not, but he's actually really good at it. And at the very end of the movie, like he hasn't seen his dad in like 30 years, 20-something years, and the crowd is cheering his name in this jousting tournament. He gets to go actually find his dad who's blind now. And what his dad had told him, and he starts crying when they see each other in his home, and he says, are you, are you my son? Is William returned home? And he said, yes, dad, is I. His dad had shared something with him when he was a kid. And when he was a kid, he asked, William had asked, I'm going to read this to you so I don't get it wrong. William said, as, a, as like a 10, 12-year-old young man, he said, can it be done, Father? Can a man change the stars? And his father calmly replies, yes, William, if you believe enough. A man can change his stars to have a better, and he wanted them to have a better life than I had. Like, I, I love this movie, and I love what it was about, and I, lo- I loved it. In the very end, he actually gets knighted by a real knight because of who he was, because of what was in his heart, and he almost faced the death penalty for lying, by the way. But it's like, I think Jesus came to tell us the same thing, guys. He's trying to say, guys, you already are a son and daughter of God. Like Jesus came and he, he said, There's, Jesus came to be different. He was different. And he's saying, I want, to, I want you to have a different life too. Like, I don't want you to follow what the rest of the world is following. Like, I want you to be able to change your destiny, your heaven on earth now and eternity. All you have to do is choose it. Jesus was different. Isn't it time for something different? I borrowed that from a friend of mine, Dallas Jenkins. I don't know if you guys have seen the television show, uh, The Chosen. 
we worked together in Chicago on a few projects and now Dallas is like super busy working on his television show. You should check it out. I think it's on VidAngel and it's about the life of Christ and the disciples. It is really cool. And it's a little bit modernized too, kind of like the Knight's Tale. I didn't mean to plug that on purpose. It just came to mind just now, by the way. I promise you, it wasn't, wasn't meant to be a shameless plug. But Dallas is awesome. He's a, he's a true Christian. The show is doing phenomenal. The question right now is, and this is back to loving our enemies. This is the part where we get to decide to be knights, to truly be Christ followers or not. And it's, it is so very real. So this is a... This is a warning and it's, a, it's an encouragement. But how do we love those who hate us? How good are we at forgiving? Like the forgiveness word, right? It is, it is probably the most powerful thing that we could do as Christ followers. You know, that whole repenting, turning away from our lives and towards Christ. It's the same with forgiveness. Like, and it's, it takes practice. Like how many people, I like to say this, I have this forgiveness basket. There's two baskets in front of me. And I literally sometimes have to do this. I have this two baskets in front of me and I have a bunch of unforgiveness in one basket. And I literally am pray. And this is not meant to be some religious, spiritual thing. It's just something I do. And I pray and I, I take it from my unforgiveness basket and I put it in the forgiven basket. And I will keep taking it out and put it in as long as I have to. And say, God, I've forgiven that person. I've already given this to you. And I'm not taking that back again. Like, God, I've forgiven that person. I'm giving this to you again. Because what? As human beings, it keeps coming up in our, our mind, right? It, can't, it keeps coming up in our heart, especially depending on what had happened. Luke 23, 34 says it this way. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How powerful is that for us as human beings? I forget someone said it on, on the beach to me last week. I think it was one of Marilyn's friends had shared her story. And it, it was powerful. And it, she has gone through a ton. And she said, you know what, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I thought that is such a simple phrase. But as Jesus was saying that as he hung on the cross, it is powerful because many of the people who brought those things into our lives, truly, as the older I get, the more I realize they, they totally didn't know what they were doing, right? Like, Father, forgive them. So those of you that have walked in this morning with hurts and wounds that were wronged, Father, forgive them. My prayer is that that's your prayer today. For those of us that have hurt someone, that have wounded them, that have wronged them. Like, Father, forgive me. Right? I think, I think living this life is going to require both and. It's Father, forgive them, and then being bold enough to say, Father, forgive me. Forgiveness is the only way to heaven. Like, I am, I am convinced part of the test that we will have when we stand in front of Christ is part of it is, did you really understand forgiveness? Because if you truly understood that I died for you, that Christ died for you, like you would truly, you would truly have an open flowing forgiveness for others in your life. And it was, it was just as hard, if not much more harder for him to hang on that cross for us. 
right? Like my life alone is terrible enough to put him on that cross. And I think I'm in good company. We don't have to try to outsend each other right now, but I think I'm in good company. Let me finish with this. Matthew 6, 14 through 5 says, and this, just listen to these words. And I, the whole loving your enemy thing, it, it requires this. It requires this forgiveness. This is why it's so important. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of yours. I mean, it's, it is a counterintuitive, like, God, I don't feel like doing this. That person way wronged me. But it's, it's honestly, it's what Christ requires of us. And it doesn't mean we need to let those people back in our lives, by the way. So let me just say this for all of those who've, who've faced... I've, I've grown up in a, in a home with domestic violence, so I, I've seen it. It is, it is horrendous. And one thing I've learned is you don't have to let those people back in your life. You don't. But forgiveness is the part of it where we get to say, God, I give them to you. Like, you're the only person that's going to fix them. Like, you're the only person that's going to heal them. All right, Matthew seven thirteen through 14. So this is why this is important. When we get to heaven, we are going to enter to the narrow gate. And he gives us this warning, for the wide gate is broad and the way that leads to destruction. He's actually talking about our time on earth. As many enter through it, the wide gate, but the small gate and the narrow gate is the way that leads to life. And only a few find it. So I don't know your friends, your family, like I don't... I don't know where you are, and I don't know when you chose in your life to say, God, I'm following you. Christ, I'm believing in you. Like, I I accept your forgiveness for me, and I want a new life. I mean, I pray that. I pray that for so many of my family, several of my friends. Like, the reason why it says the gate is narrow is because Christ is the only way. The reason why forgiveness is such a big deal is because that's what He gave for us. And he said, for us, like, so if you're like me and you had to shut off the news this week, like, I had to forgive everything that I saw on social media this week and on the news. Like, it literally, I, I turned off the internet and I felt like I had a 5,000 pounds like, on my shoulders because I, I want to fix it. Like, I want to do something about it, you know, or I want to point out the wrongs. And God's saying, Larry, that's not your responsibility. You're supposed to pray for them and forgive them. Jesus is the narrow gate. He is the door. John 10, 19-16. I'll end with this and invite Anderson and Meredith back up. He says, I am the door. If anyone who enters by me, he will be saved. Humility is boldness. Humility is sacrificial love. And forgiveness is it is freedom, guys. Like those of you that might have unforgiveness in your heart, I like I promise you there is a way out of that prison cell. There is a way out of that cage. Like it's and forgiveness is is as much for us as it is for the other person. Like believe me. And it's something I believe that every single one of us has to look at our hearts and say, God, I, am I a forgiving person? 
Like, do I really believe that Christ died for me? Let me pray and we'll, we'll wrap up. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Father, for the teachings that Christ brought us. They're so counterintuitive. And Father, this message was particularly a tough one. I, I've carried a lot in my heart even this week from what I see happening across our country. And Father, I just I pray for our enemies. I pray for those who don't know You. Father, I pray for those who don't love You and have hate and bitterness in their hearts. Father, I, I pray for the men and women in this room, our sons and daughters. You protect us, protect our hearts. God, give us Your Son and Your Spirit. Remind us, Father, at that moment when You want us to turn the other cheek. Remind us that moment, Father, when You want us to turn over our coat and our shoes or to feed our enemies. It may be today, it may be tomorrow. Father, it may be 50 years from now where we are faced with this situation, but I thank You for Your Word that You're just trying to point people to heaven and let them see Your Son while we're here on this earth. Thank You for challenging us through this Word. Father, I love You, and it's Jesus' name we pray. Amen.